Welcome to Came From a Podcast, episode 7. It's June 12th, 2015, and today we're going to talk some Apple, dive into Sense8, a little Punisher here, a little Mondo there, and much more. Much more. Once again, you're listening to Came From A Podcast. Where we curate pop culture for your inner geek. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm Sir Joe I.M. And joining me is Ricky Kazvan. What's up? So something horrible and tragic has happened this week, Ricky. We unfortunately lost uh, Christopher Lee at the age of 93. Uh, so sad. Horrible, man. I mean, One I, of the greatest. I hate weeks where that happens and it has to happen you know so you're always going to lose a grade we're going to start losing the grades too i mean a lot of them are getting older so it's just i mean 93 years though it's that's insane you know you, you not yeah yeah i mean obviously it's sad that he passed but he lived such an incredible life like i, I know that he was uh he was uh one of the inspirations for for james bond that ian fleming uh used because he was actually like in the secret service during the war and stuff so awesome Crazy life. There's so many articles popping up about the amazing accomplishments this guy's achieved in his 93 years of life, which I would love to be able to say that one day. Yep. So we're going to do something special to honor yeah. his, his life yeah. and work. Exactly. So in honor of his life and work, we're starting a new segment, which we introduced in our last interview, which you should go check out. And um, it's called Off the Top 3. We don't have a theme song yet, but Ricky, give it a try. A theme song? Off the top three. Off the top three. Da na 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 na. Off the top three. Da na 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 na. Okay. So pretty much, there's a topic, <laughs> and at the top of our heads, we'll say our top three based on it. So Ricky, off the top three, Christopher Lee characters or roles he's played. Uh, Saruman, Lord of the Rings, Count Dooku slash uh yeah, Darth Tyrannus in uh the Star Wars prequels. And Sherlock Holmes. Love it. Okay, so my top three. Okay, Dracula. Come on, dude. He is Dracula. Right. Then the Wicker Man. Come on. The the there original. Go. There you go. And one of my favorites is The Mummy. 1959. That's right. He was amazing. Right. Amazing in The Mummy. I didn't say Dracula because I knew that you would want Dracula, so I left Dracula for you. <laughs> of course, dude. I, my favorite one. He has so many out there, but the horror of Dracula... Saw that movie. Also, for it. for me, an honorable mention, even though it was a small role, he played uh he played Willy Wonka's dad in the Tim Burton version of of the movie, which I thought was a really cool role too. So, oh, there you go. true, true, yeah. Anyways, so now we're gonna move over to movies since we're on the topic. You already. saw a movie this week that I haven't seen, which is I, I I'm usually on top of it, but I didn't I didn't get a chance this week. You saw Jurassic World. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Jurassic World. I took my wife because me and my wife are massive Jurassic Park fans, like massive. We love, love those do, movies. Do, We've do, seen them so much. Do, 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 yeah, yeah. We were singing along, and uh, I mean, ugh, I love them so much. We went with, you know, we we only saw the trailer, and that's all we knew. We sat down, and we turned twelve on the spot, like we were like twelve year olds <laughs> sitting in that theater, and it was so packed, and it was so fun. If you guys are even questioning whether you should go see it 
go right now like skip all your plans unless it's like maybe like in an emergency i have which i'm not going to listen to but i have heard some mixed reviews on on whether it's good or not so maybe you can give us a little insight was it good did it satisfy the inner inner child in you completely completely now i i did read up on some of those reviews and like those first impressions or whatever you want to call them and for the most part i didn't see anything like that like i think it was a an amazingly fun movie. Maybe they're probably talking about the fact that the science is off, as it always has been, you know? Who who cares? That's my thing. Who cares? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a movie. I, it's a movie. The thing is, it's if a you've movie. seen the first Jurassic Park and the second and the third, that's what you're gonna get. That gives Well, that's you- my next question. So and I think I think the, the the true gauge of it will be um say you're a young kid who hasn't seen the the, the original one is this movie still enjoyable without that nostalgia factor thrown in you don't have to have you you don't have to see the originals to see this movie like there are they do pay some homage to some the original but in a sense this is this feels like a sequel for the first one and like the other two are just pushed to the side i think that's actually a quote that they put out there but if you do it just adds that much more to it because they do have cool scenes in there that i'm not going to spoil but you're just going to be like oh that's from the original you know what i mean and oh it's so good go watch it guys it's we're going to spoil it next week probably but i don't want to give away anything cuz I, I i'll probably watch it tomorrow so it is what i consider to be one of my favorite cinematic experiences this year and it's wow. most likely because of how i attach it to the originals when i was a kid in theaters watching these things right i mean it's amazing right so one of the biggest news pieces of the week john bernthal has been cast as the punisher in season two of daredevil we all know him as shane of course from the walking dead uh marvel released the logo for the new season of the show so i'm thinking maybe sorry there is a new logo that has bullet holes kind of all over it so i'm thinking that maybe him and matt murdoch aren't gonna get along so well at least not at the beginning yes yeah, the punisher uh, when, though yeah, and I think when he was first introduced, and I think it was in one of the Spider-Man issues, he was kind of the villain of the, of the piece. Yeah. So I'm kind of, th- I'm kind of thinking maybe it's gonna, it'll start off at that a little bit, and obviously him. I think Matt Murdock is really just, you know, he's one like little snap away from becoming the Punisher. So it'll be kind of cool to see the, the the duality of both characters and how they play off of each other. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that we called this last week, by the way. So to give a little perspective, we had a we had an interview with Johnny C. And uh, we went into this whole thing about how we hope the Punisher gets thrown into the MCU, this and that. Literally the next day that we had the after we had the interview, this this news was released. So I kind of feel like the three of us willed it into existence a little bit. No, I, that's literally what happened. Literally. And we had to cut it out of the interview because we didn't sound like we like we didn't know what we we're talking about. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think we should probably actually put it back up just so people know and have proof of it. <laughs> but I'm super hyped about. Oh, this. of course, it's gonna be. It's gonna be awesome, man. And and the Punisher needs to be, especially after releasing Daredevil. The Punisher needs to be in the in the MCU. And uh, you know, Jeff Loeb, who's Marvel's head of TV, he said John Bernthal brings an unmatched intensity to every role he takes on, with a potent blend of power, motivation, and vulnerability that will connect with audiences. You know, if we if you've seen The Walking Dead. We know this guy's really cool at playing just like a crazy kind of badass character. So, you know, and, and he's good at that psychotic kind of thing. So it's the, the yeah, Punisher yeah. has a couple of screws loose in his head. So, um, it yeah. Yeah. And he does have that crazy pissed off face. Right. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be hopefully good. 
So we got some news for the mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. Yeah, it's being mentioned that Lionsgate is looking for unknowns to play the teens. <laughs> it's being mentioned that Lionsgate is looking for unknowns to play the teens with attitude, which I think is probably the best way to go because we've already got these preconceived notions of Jason, Kimberly, Trini, Zach, Billy, and Tommy. And, you know, only unknown actors, I think, will actually let us disconnect from that and accept the new generation of actors playing these iconic roles, assuming, of course, that a full reboot... Uh, and these actual characters will, that are going to be the ones in the movie. I mean, that's what I associate Power Rangers with. Yeah. And I actually loved the first movie. Dude, Who's as a, as a As a kid, awesome. I loved the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Loved it. They had... Cl- it was... It's, to this day, I think it's just a great adventure movie. It goes from like, hey, this is us. And then, oh, let's go and train. And then, oh, let's fight the bad guys now that we're awesome. Not only that, but just visually, like, we're so used to seeing... Like, and we didn't care as kids, obviously, but we were so used to seeing these, like, kind of not so fancy not so great looking suits on the show and then they have these really cool metallic looking suits in the movie and like the budget is just higher it was so cool as a kid to see that i'm actually probably gonna check this one out i mean it's a little weird because it's different and it's probably aimed at a whole different crowd but i'm still gonna watch it well heroic hollywood also they broke the news this week that according to multiple sources the villain in the movie will be and i quote A huntress, a striking yet subtly alien-looking woman. She carries a metallic staff topped with a distinctive crescent shape. Advances with a soldier's confidence, guided by some sort of compass. Her staff is actually a device of immense power. She points it at the ground, heads emerge, built layer upon layer like 3D printing made from the earth itself. The staff's technology grants her the ability to create humanoid figures, soulless and robotic. So Sergio, obviously guess who this villain's gonna be? <laughs> I'm so hyped for this right now. <laughs> Rita Repulsa. Rita Repulsa. I'm really glad they did this. I think it would have been... Uh, Total disservice to the franchise had they gone with somebody else for the first movie. Rita is the quintessential Mighty Morphin Power Rangers villain, um, followed by Lord Zed. But, you know, Rita is the main baddie of the series that we all know and love. So this is the best possible way to go. This sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's going to be a while before we uh, before we see this. But, you know, I cannot wait. I mean, I just want to see Zordon. Yeah. In a tube again. You damn right I want to see that. <laughs> so I'm going to totally butcher his name, but it looks like Chiwetel Ejiofor will play Baron Mordo in what we're guessing will be the villain in Doctor Strange. We all know and love him from 12 Years a Slave. Amazing. Children of Men. Amazing. Children of Men. And one of my personal favorites, Serenity, which Amazing. is the movie that was based off of Firefly. Yeah. yeah so... You know, in the comics, Baron Mordo is a sorcerer and fellow apprentice of the ancient fellow apprentice of the ancient one, who betrays him and Doctor Strange. You know, we'll see how this translates over to the movies. If he'll actually be like the main bad guy, we don't know yet. So, you know, I I, feel, I do feel like anybody who's anybody though, well, it's gonna eventually make their way through a Marvel movie. I mean, of they're course. just casting everybody at this point. It's like every I think in like ten years, every movie out is gonna be Marvel related or Disney related in that sense. And every. Everybody's gonna be in a Marvel movie. Yeah, but you know what? It's weird seeing this guy as the role of the bad dude. Like it's just something that he's so he has such a kind strength to him. Does that make sense? And to see him as in the role of a bad guy, it just seems a little. Oh, I, I can see it though. 
you know what though in serenity in serenity he was he wasn't a fool like um mm-hmm, yeah really but but he he, he was kind of the villain of the piece um if, and i might i haven't seen serenity in forever and i remember firefly more than serenity but i do remember him kind of being the antagonistic role yeah. so um he kind of has done it before a little bit um and i could totally i mean he's such a versatile actor that i could totally see him doing it and, yeah. and us believing it yeah so that's something to look forward to i actually think he would have made a cool black panther Yes. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. He does have it, but I think they're going for a younger, a younger look. Yeah, on yeah, yeah. Panther, so yeah, it, it'll be cool to see him as as. A, uh, first of all, it'll be cool to see him play off of Tilda Swinton and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. So that's just gonna be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait. This sounds like an amazing lineup. It's also gonna be like this is gonna be like an all British movie. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. So far oh, is, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Everybody so far is British. So let's hope yeah. accents kick in. <laughs> so you know, yeah. It looks like Rogue One, Star Wars' first anthology film, which is directed by Gareth Edwards, will be joining the 6K Club. It's reported that some scenes will be shot using the Ari Alexa 65 camera, which, which shoots at 6, 6K, mm. dis- disting- <laughs> distancing itself from the core Star Wars film series, which is primarily shot on 35mm. That classic, for, that classic. For yeah. those who don't know, 6K is basically six times the resolution of standard high definition. So in other words, uh, perfect for compositing and all those visual effects. And the little that little teaser that we got at Celebration from Rogue One was shot on 6K. So and I mean even like the crappy version of it that we got online, the leak looked yeah. awesome. I, I can't even imagine being there and seeing it. So um yeah, it's gonna look awesome. I mean this is supposed to be a war movie, so like shooting it at 6K. Whether the question is they're gonna shoot it at 6K, whether or not we'll actually be able to see it at 6K, depending on what theater we're on, that'll be a different story. But um I think it's a really cool way to go for this for this movie yeah i'm curious to see where they go with it too i I don't know they probably set up like custom theaters or something for that that'd be awesome yep cool the creative director of mondo justin ishmael has parted ways with the company oh dude this killed me man this killed me because he is in my opinion the face of mondo he is the face of mondo yeah um over on the mondo blog they stated that he left to pursue other opportunities and quote since he joined in the spring of 2009, Justin has left an indelible mark on the brand. We wish him good luck and success on everything he does in the future. Oh, there's no good in that quote, but, you know, I added it in there. But, <laughs> uh, you know, what? it's just such a sad loss because he he loves toys. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but he constantly... I do, I do, I yeah, do. He finds all these awesome toys. He's us. He is like a customer in a sense, you know? So that's sort of a sad loss to me personally. But um, he has that personality that I feel like they have to, re- to replace. Because if not, if they go down the route that all the social media from Mondo is now going to be just straight up news, it's going to lose that personality that he gave it. Has he mentioned at all what he's doing or where he's going or no? No, a part of me feels like there might be some drama behind it maybe. But, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You never know uh, with these things. But um, let, we'll see if there's some news that pops up. On the lighter side of things, uh, they started off with the first turtle, which was their black and white 6.5 inch figure, which is based off of the right. first initial concept sketch of the Ninja Turtles by Kevin Eastman. And now they have the first Hellboy statue. Nice. This week they really they announced that and it looks amazing. Have you seen it? I have. I actually haven't seen it. Oh, my God. It looks. Ah, uh, I am fighting so hard. I'm going to look it up. I'm looking it up right now. I'm fighting so hard with myself to not buy it because not only am I married now, but it is $200. It's $225. Oh, my. $220. i am looking at it right now. That is uh, 
sweet piece of artwork. Amazing. Okay, so, and like the first turtle, this one is based off of a sketch by Mike Mignola that was, a, that was of a demon character that had the name Hellboy on its belt, and so it all began. Um, unlike the turtle that cost $65, the Hellboy statue in black and white is going for $225, as I mentioned, and it is an exclusive, but they also have a colored version that goes for $200. Now, to be honest, if you're purchasing for collectible reasons, you may just put, you know, may as well just put 25 bucks in there and get the white and black version. Even though I know a lot of people out there love color like you do. I would do, I would, like I said before, I'd, I'd do the color version. I'll be honest, sure. the, the colored version looks like the, the cooler one to show off. Yeah. But um, collectible wise, the exclusives are, are you, the ones people go for. Are you buying it or no? No, dude, I do not have that kind of spending money. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> like one day. Um, if they're still around, I'll pick it up. But, um, you know, this is happening a lot too. I don't know if you've noticed, I'd say a lot in the last few months because we've had the black and white 3d figure thing going twice now for Mondo and this year's San Diego comic-con, the Jim, the Jim Lee sketch, Batman, the Jim Lee. Yeah. That, which is so sick. It looks great too. And I think this is something that uh, I don't know why it's taken them so long to start doing this, but I love these things. It's straight up a 3d version of a sketch. We're going to get a Sergio M black and white yeah and it's just some too. weird like on one knee holding my cheek or like my chin in some weird <laughs> awkward way the thi- like, like the thinker like you're just pondering about life yeah and stuff. exactly <laughs> <laughs> moving on to thing, thing of the of week, the, week. The, the, the thing of the week that was a more tired uh, tired <laughs> i'm i'm a little this has been a crazy week i'm a little tired so little, that, that, we're gonna have to go that was the booth. lazy version of thing of the week we're gonna have to go into the booth and record it, so we just like. I want some crazy like it. dubstep kind of beat behind it and stuff, so it's awesome. I mean, I'm sure we, we can get that for you, so we will. <laughs> All right, so Ricky, what is your thing of the week? So my thing of the week, which I am so excited about, is uh, Hasbro released one of their SDCC San Diego Comic Con exclusives, and it is from the Black Series. It is a first order Stormtrooper. It's six inches and it's posable. It's going to be $25 on the show floor. It's the really the first like action figure we get for The Force Awakens. I have to get my hands on this. The packaging looks amazing. It's going to be hard cuz I'm going to have to be I have to decide whether I want to like I have to make the line for the Star Wars panel, but I also need to have this and I want to try to get like two of them so we can do an unboxing on your other channel on uh it came from a box, which I think would be really awesome. Oh, yes. Uh, that'll be great. And the thing is, you have to make your line, make start making the line now, like right now, today. I, I mean, I have to have like my friends in San Diego go and like make the line right now. Cause, Live like, there for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, These things do look beautiful, by the way. They look amazing. And I, I, it just makes me that much more excited to watch the movie. Yeah, I have my friend Martin who is already in line for Hall H basically for the panel. So I'll, I'll have, <laughs> I'll have him. Go, you think I'm joking? I'll have him go no, over. I don't. There. <laughs> I'll have him go over there and uh, maybe make the the Hasbro line for me as well. While I before I fly over there yeah so sergio what's your thing of the week uh mine is the rift that is the oculus rift uh they finally unleashed it so to speak because um as you probably know it's been sort of in a beta like they had the developer units or whatever you want to call them right and you know i think mostly everyone i know bought one and has been experiencing it but they finally have a consumer product and it's called rift and it's the next generation virtual reality headset or goggles or whatever you want to call them so they announced this and it looks pretty nice. And it's my thing of the week because I love virtual reality. I feel like it's the next big thing that we're going to see in the next coming years. And, you know, it's here. Uh, we're going to see a lot of it yeah. in E3, I'm sure. And we're going to talk about it. What do you think about it? Well, I've actually 
I've actually had the 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 pleasure of I've actually had gone to use it. I've used it two years in a row at San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, I had my head. I got to have my head cut off oh, last year. Nice. They had a a Sleepy Hollow simulation, and at the end of it, you're like you're wearing the headset and you get your head cut off, and it's like super real, super realistic. Um, r- really awesome. And we were just talking about it earlier. It's really weird because I started reading um Ready Player One this week, which has to do with. Uh, the whole virtual reality thing, and they announced it, so it's really cool. I think we're going to be talking about yes, that next we week, will. but I'm very, very excited for it. It's the future. What I'm not so excited about, though, they did mention that um, it's going to work first exclusively in terms of video games with the Microsoft Xbox One, which I do not own. I'm a PS4 yeah. guy. Uh, so I might, ha- I might have to pick up an Xbox One just to kind of play video games. Well, you'll see. Things. Just get a PC. It's easier. It's easier. Um, you know they have uh, the tracking system with it, and they have their. They did mention the the new controller that they have for the Xbox, which is like two, right. You know, you hold it in, in both hands. There's two two different controllers. It's called the Oculus Touch. You have to touch it, and you know it's it's, right. it's nice. And it has you know the tracking system that's cool on it. And the only thing is that the response I keep seeing online seems to be like, oh, okay, I guess because maybe the. The VR thing has has become sort of common now, so I don't know what's going on. The games they had, they had some third-person games, which is a little weird because you think virtual reality, you're in the character, you are the character. But they do have some cool ideas and concepts that I'm very excited about. I I, I have to try out one day. Um, So at the moment, I'm not sure if I'm going to be going with the Rift or maybe the one the HTC and Valve made. And um, but you know what? I'm super excited about the technology and seeing it being pushed forward like that. So that's my thing of the week. Well, just p- picture this. The coolest thing I've seen from it so far last year at Comic. I keep on bringing Comic Con, but they had a they had an X Men thing where you put on the Rift and you were using Cerebro, and then it actually scanned the convention floor, and you were like looking for mutants on the convention floor with the Oculus Rift, which was super cool. I can't wait, man. All right, so we're going to bounce back, not to movies, but to television. And Netflix released a number of things. They released um, Orange is the New Black, which I'm still watching. Have you seen it? I started to watch it. Yes, I will finish it tomorrow, so we'll talk about it next week. I'll be honest, I'm getting a little, it's becoming a little stale to me. It's just prison drama at this point, and I don't know where it's going. It's fun. It's a fun show. It's just fun. It's fun. But there's another one. Yeah, there's another one. There's another show out there, and it's called Sense8, and you've watched it. I finished it. I I finished it last night, actually, and oh, Sense8, what a beautiful mess you were. Before anything, I do want to say that I actually loved this show. I like a lot of things, but I loved this show. The basic premise... Yeah, I'm still going through it. Yeah, the basic premise of the show, it revolves around eight strangers from different parts of the world who suddenly become mentally and emotionally linked. It was created, written, and executive produced by Andy and Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. The Wachowskis, we obviously know as the creators of The Matrix, and Straczynski, we know as the creator of Babylon 5, which was this great sci-fi show from the 90s, which I think Deep Space Nine actually ripped off. And actually... Uh, Midnight Nation, which we brought up in the interview. is his. He's the one who wrote it. There you it. go. Yeah. So go check out Midnight Nation, guys. I can't sell that enough because I love that so one. Anyways, what do you think What do you ahead. think of the show so far? I know you're not, you're, you haven't finished it yet. What do you think of it so far? So I'm in episode four. Me and my wife started watching the first one. Right. And we just, as someone who spent like an hour watching it, we were just had no idea where it was going. And I think we're just pretty much at this point, we're like, just give us the dang story. But there was so much time spent on character development because there are eight characters. So I feel like after the fourth episode, hopefully it'll start turning more into, you know, more about the story and less about the 
the, the development of the so characters. So that's the thing. There's kind of actually no story in this show. I mean, there is, but we really don't get the full grasp of it until the last couple of episodes. And this is why I say it's kind of a mess, especially if you're expecting a, a, a crazy overarching story. I almost feel, though, like limiting on the story was a creative decision because where the show really shines, it's what you were mentioning, it's it's in the characters itself. Throughout the course of the show, you get to really know these these different characters and, and, what, and you care what happens to them. And yeah. the actual story kind of sacrifices itself to this as we really don't have like a crazy climax or conclusion by the end of it. I gotta say that's like a little sad to hear because I I thought that was the the it was gonna be a big thing because the idea is there you know what I mean but I I don't know how they were gonna combine all the eight characters to do something big with that you know you know what though the funnest part of the show is actually seeing all these characters interact with each other even though they're in the show they're spread across like the globe um and where the yeah. show shines the most is when one of the characters has to tap into somebody else's ability in their cluster to get out of a sticky situation. Like you'll have a, you'll have this guy who's about to get into a fight and he doesn't know how to fight at all, oh. at all. And you have to tap into one of the the other people that he's like in the cluster with, who's like this crazy martial arts person. And all of a sudden, he's like this great fighter. So that that I think is one of the coolest things of the show. Yes, I saw that, and I thought that we were gonna see more of that. I mean, like I said, you, I didn't finish. Seeing you do. But, you do, Espe- oh, okay, especially good. like because I like that. Yeah, the second half of the show, you see that a lot, and it it, okay, it plays perfect. into the conclusion of of the season. Um, but you know this show, which I I, I mean I wasn't really expecting. It really pushes some boundaries, and I think in a Socially, yeah, yeah, I think in a Agreed. I think in a good way. One of the show's main characters, Nomi, she's a transgender, and she's played by transgender actress Jamie Clayton. Now, it's no secret that Lana Wachowski is transgender. And I really felt like it was her voice directly speaking through Nomi, which I think is really courageous for her because they really explored the subject in a way that shows haven't yet. And I think we need to see more of that in the mainstream. You know, um, at the end of the day, we're all the same. And Orange is the New Black obviously has Laverne Cox, who has kind of become a spokeswoman for the whole transgender community. But this this sense ain't, and I can't, I can't say anything without spoiling it, but it really takes it to a whole nother level of course i mean the thing is it's it was dark it's dark in there it's like i think a darker version of how it is in real life it's super dark and it's very very graphic i would not watch this show with small children around and i oh no no no. i feel like even some adults might feel uncomfortable during some of the scenes so just just a warning before you watch it but um they're doing some really cool stuff and like and even not just like the social stuff but like some of the like the way that the show was filmed and certain thing, other topics in the show, they're really pushing some boundaries with this show, which which really speaks, I think, to the power of Netflix because it's things that you couldn't get away with even on like cable television. Yeah. yeah um. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I really think that Netflix is gonna be an awesome platform just to keep on pushing boundaries. Um, yeah. But I will say. Well, one thing I hate about this show is the intro. I find it to be so dull. It feels like a bunch of stuff. First footage. of all, like, first of all, I mean, I. I do this with every Netflix show. I watch the intro, the first episode, just to see what it what it's like, and then I skip over. Yeah, on exactly. everything. I, I think it's longer than the Game of Thrones intro, which is super long. Um, it's just so much random imagery, and I get it. Okay, they're across the world. You know, you want to see different parts of the world, but there's just no character to it. It just seems like edited. Like boom. I boom, can't. Boom, 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 boom. Which is 
it was kind of like the True Blood. I remember the, the True Blood intro had nothing to do with, with it was just random like images, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I can't imagine anybody sitting there and every with every episode they watch sitting through the intro. I'm pretty sure everybody is gonna is gonna skip through it. What I, what I did do though, I wouldn't skip through the whole intro. I would skip up until the very last part to see who directed the show. Because a cool little t- uh, the, sorry, the particular episode, a cool little tidbit: Tom Tyker, who co-directed Call Atlas with the Wachowskis. Um, and also directed Run Lola Run, which is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, he directed he directed some of the episodes for this show. Um, so I, I it was cool to see the episodes that the episodes that he directed compared to the episodes that the Wachowskis directed. Um, so that was one of the coolest little parts of the show for me, just to see the differences in in direction. That's interesting, and like you said before, with Netflix trying these things, that's something that is just fun. You know, like you want to hear those kind of tidbits come um, come in. The show also, by the way, has an amazing soundtrack. So that's that's another reason to watch it. They, they, yeah, yeah, I did, I did like yeah. the audio. So yeah, that's a that's a little, I guess, review for Sense Eight. Go watch it. Go binge it. Go binge Go it. Go binge it. You can't say yep. watch it anymore. Go binge it. All right, and finally, we're gonna take a quick look at games because I like games. Oh, I like games too. Not as much as you do. <laughs> Not as much as you do, but I like games. All right, so I know this is probably a little biased because I'm a big fan of the two games that I'm going to bring up because that's what was in the news this week. Let me guess, Dota um, and Hearthstone. No, 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 no. First Hearthstone (laughs) and then Dota. Then Dota. So, yeah, Hearthstone has announced Tavern Brawl, which is a new game mode, and it sounds very awesome. Um, A lot of people were speculating that this update was going to be nothing more but, you know, cosmetics, which is something that I don't want to get into because there's a lot of drama behind it. But uh, Tavern Brawl sounds awesome, and I'll quote what they said. Uh, Each week, a different Tavern Brawl will pit you head-to-head versus another player using exciting and unique rules. One week might feature preset, uh, preset decks, while another week could have you craft crafting a brand new tavern brawl deck following specific guidelines while others might offer buffs to specific minion types who knows so it's just a fun new way of playing hearthstone which um you know i think the game clearly needs because it's become a little boring for me personally i recently started playing it again because you kind of course coerced me into it so yeah you still haven't added me so you have to Uh, to add me on there so yeah go check it out and then the next piece of news is dota 2 reborn this is freaking awesome. I am a massive Dota 2 fan. Um, it's one of the, I think, maybe the only MOBAs I dedicate as much time to compared to like Heroes and League of Legends and Smite. And there's a ton of others out there. Have, have you tried any of those, by the way? Yeah, I've, I've played League of Legends. Um, I tried it. I was really, really bad at it. And I've seen people play Heroes of the Storm, but League of Legends is the one that I have the most experience yeah, with. Yeah, like for MOBAs, there's always a learning curve. And um, one of the things, too, though, is... League of Legends to me is not as pretty as it could be because they have to update that engine by now, like whatever engine they're based off of or just the look in general, because it doesn't look bad. It's just that after a while, these things will get outdated. And you know what's surprising is that Dota, I mean, Valve announced Dota to Reborn. I saw this in literally in the theater while watching Jurassic Park. I mean, World. Oh, so what is it? It's like a revamp of, of two or... So what they look, I'll tell you the the intro that they have today. We are announcing the Dota 2 Reborn beta, which brings with it a new interface engine, custom games. Everything in the dashboard has been redesigned, utilizing a new UI framework and the engine that powers the game has been fully replaced. On this page, we'll be giving you a preview. So pretty much there's a page dedicated to this new Reborn version of Dota 2. 
Now, this is something that I'd love to see League do because a lot of people keep saying that League has these outdated kind of graphics, and I agree. Mm -hmm. And, you know, League is massive. League is probably one of the most popular games in the world. I'm pretty sure it still is. And I'm surprised they don't do this because Dota 2 has been around and they're not that old, but they've been around for quite some time and they already released this Reborn. Um, So it features an all new dashboard. It has um, more features um, such as like inviting your friends, party voice chat. All that has been revamped and just made a lot prettier. Uh, You know, if you have a party, you can organize it differently. They have a a different way of viewing friends and um, their stats and all that stuff. It has improved chat, uh, a redesigned hero browser, which is one of the biggest things for these games because there's just so many heroes. Yeah. And I love seeing how it's organized as and someone who has a bunch they of had to, They had to do it because of Heroes of the Storm. I think Blizzard's really good at making everything pretty, and Heroes of the Storm is probably the best-looking game out of the three right now. So um, I, I kind of see this as, as just a move to compete with Heroes yeah, of the Storm. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be, but the thing, too, is that it's a new engine, and I think this is when... This is the other exciting thing is that this is the new engine that they might be using for Half-Life 3 or maybe some other games. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that, but that's what comes to mind to me personally. And um, they also have new ways to watch, which is a huge thing because spectators, uh, I use this as this is like my television, to be honest. Like I'll just spectate games for hours and hours on end. And, um, you know, like right. we mentioned before, they also made it a little easier to learn how to play this game by... Uh, having those additional features on how to play the game and uh, it looks awesome it looks so great and it's not done yet um, they're still going to be talking more about it and they have a page dedicated to it and this is just part one of three and then next week you should be able to join in the beta which i will be completely on top of i'm sure you will so kabam just announced star wars uprising it's an upcoming mobile game for android and ios and it's obviously a star wars game and it takes place uh in between return of the jedi and episode 7 the force awakens so obviously everything that's coming out for star wars now is canon so this we're, we're gonna get an actual canon game that will bridge the gap between uh six and seven which is interesting that they're doing it on a mobile platform but you know everything is heading mobile so it, it kind of makes sense i'm just gonna give you guys a really a quick summary of what it is um, in the days following the Battle of Endor and the fall of the Emperor, the Anuet Sector has been locked down by the Empire with the Rebel Alliance on the other side of the Iron, Iron Blockade. It falls to the Sector smugglers, freedom fighters, bounty hunters, and gangsters to join forces and form an uprising. Um, so you're going to get to play kind of different classes in this post-Death of the Emperor, Death of Vader world. Uh, I'm really excited for it because, you know, I've been just devouring everything canon related for star wars so i'm really glad that we're gonna get a game on mobile that i can play on my way to work and stuff so uh, I, I was playing uh, knights of the old republic on my phone yes and just like to update myself on that and i just i'm so hyped for new games and i really hope they actually put some on mobile too because i'm gonna devour these when they're on pc they but, released they yeah, released an awesome too. cinematic trailer for it that we're gonna put in the show notes so check it out when it comes out in the fall oh, all right I, I will i will Alright, so over on the world of tech, one big thing that happened is Apple had its annual developers conference. And one thing that we thought would be really fun to do is have someone come over and talk to us about Apple because I'm not the biggest Apple fan. And um, that's just because I don't have And I like, I, I love Apple, but I'm not a huge Apple fanboy either. So it's good to bring somebody who basically is on. 
And last time we talked about Google I.O. And as you can probably tell, it took up a, a massive amount of the show. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a special. So make sure, guys, to check on the website. And if you have the RSS feed, you should be directly fed into your podcatcher. And we'll talk about the Apple Developer Conference and what our thoughts were on that. So please check that out. And so that is it for the week, folks. That wraps it up. Once again, I'm Sergio am And I'm Ricky Kazan reminding you to go watch all of the Christopher Lee movies. Pay your tributes. I'm going to spend like 37,000 hours just watching the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the prequel trilogy in honor of Christopher Lee. Yeah, that's what I, I tell my wife all the time. It's like, if we're bored and we don't know what to watch, I'll be like, you want to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy real quick? Say what, and say what you will about the Star Wars prequels, but he if, if there was a shining light in the prequels, it was Christopher Lee and Ewan McGregor. Christopher Lee really brought this like gravitas to those movies that, thank God they had, because if not, it, they would have just been, I mean even worse than, than terrible. So um, he, he is one of the shining lights. So yeah. I'm really glad that he was part of the, the Star Wars universe, which is everything to me. So Yeah. So rest in peace, Christopher Lee. We will miss you dearly. Now, if you want to interact with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook and Google+. So check out the show description for those details as well. And finally, if you want to support the podcast and help us out, the best way is to subscribe and share. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or just manually by adding us to your favorite podcatcher through our RSS feed. To your friends, family, enemies, personal robotic butlers, anyone you can think of, we'd really, really appreciate it. We really would.